Amen. Everything tonight, everything that we have um, from the Lord comes to us and, and has been given to us through Jesus and what he did at the cross of Calvary. You're not going to get anything from God in any other way than through the finished work of Christ. That's how Jesus, that's how God operates. That's how the Holy Spirit operates. So thank God for the cross tonight and what Jesus did there for us. I preached, I guess the last time I preached uh, on Sunday morning, we talked about that. We preached about the cross. We preached about Calvary, the crucifixion of Christ and the glory of the cross of Christ and uh, the price that he paid. So uh, this Sunday we'll be preaching about his resurrection and uh, looking forward to that. But tonight we're going to turn to the book of Philippians. We are getting closer and closer. We have 21 verses, 22 verses left in, uh, in uh, the book of Philippians. So can we get through that in two weeks? <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Amen. No, well, we'll just see how it works, all right? We, just, we go with the flow of the Holy Ghost, okay? I know what I've got planned to, to get through tonight, but I don't know that that will uh, pan out. For sure, but uh, anyway, nevertheless, we'll we'll just we just want to go with the flow of the Holy Ghost. So, uh, if you have your Bibles tonight, trust that you do, and you'll turn with me to Philippians chapter number four, and we're going to begin with verse number one, and I'm going to read the first nine verses of Philippians chapter four tonight, uh, beginning with verse one. It's on the screen. And uh, reading from the New King James, and it says this, Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. How many standing fast tonight? You're steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the Lord. We've got to stand fast. I implore Euodia, and I implore Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. How many's name is in the book of life tonight? Amen. Hallelujah. That's where it doesn't matter where your name's at. It's got to be in the book of life. That's the most important thing tonight. Verse 4, he said, Rejoice in the Lord every once in a while. <laughs> no. Rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. And then just to you know, to, to, to put the verification on that, he says, and again, again, I will say rejoice. Hallelujah. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. That right there is speaking of the coming of the Lord, the nearness of his coming, the rapture of the church, and they were looking for it in, in Paul's day. He said, the coming of the, the Lord is at hand. 
The Holy Spirit just spoke to us tonight telling us that the Lord is coming very soon. And I believe that tonight with all my heart, that the coming of the Lord is drawing nearer and nearer, and it is at hand tonight. Verse number 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding and that means it's a peace that you don't understand you can't figure it out you don't know and other people can't figure out how you can be so calm in the midst of a crisis It surpasses all understanding. Will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. Verse 8, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, If there be any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, or if there be any praise in it, meditate or think on these things. And we'll get into this here in a moment, but he's telling us what to think about and what to do with our mind, with our thoughts. The things which you've learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do... And the God of peace will be with you. Oh man, that's a, this is just chock full of stuff tonight. But I want to, I want to, I want to pull uh, tonight. I want to focus tonight on really on verses six through nine, and I want to talk to you tonight from this text um, on having victory, having victory over worry. And anxiety, having victory over worry and anxiety. I know, probably don't. I probably don't need to teach you this tonight because I'm sure nobody's bothered with that. Amen. But uh, I'll just preach to myself. Is that all right? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Paul, as we know from um, the studies that we've done from this book in of Philippians, we know that Paul was writing this letter to the Philippian church from a prison cell that he was in jail and he was possibly facing death. He wrote about that in the beginning of the letter in the first, first chapter of, uh, of this book and talked about, you know, he's, uh, about that the possibility that he may have to give his life for the Lord. So he's, he's possibly facing death. He's dealing with all of these churches and He's dealing with problems that are in the churches. There was some strife here between two women. We just read about here in in this fourth chapter of Philippians where Paul in verse 2 is imploring these two ladies, Euodia and Syntyche, to be of the same mind. There was a disagreement between these two ladies. We don't know what it was, but it was causing some strife and division within the church. So Paul is dealing with that and he's got that on his mind. 
And um, he was also concerned about false teachers and false prophets that were, were infiltrating the church. Remember we talked about how that he's told them over in chapter 3, to, he, he said, beware of dogs. Remember that? He wasn't talking about pit bulls, amen, or anything like that. He was talking about those, those um, Judaizers and false teachers that were, that were perverting the gospel, that were infiltrating the church. In the early church, every one of those early churches had a, had a problem with, uh, had, that had to watch out for and had a problem with false teachers coming in, just like we have in the, in the church world today. There are those who are false apostles and false teachers and false prophets, and so we need to be aware of that. We need to know, uh, we need to know about that. And so Paul was dealing with that as well. And so Paul had every reason in the world, he had every reason to be worried. He had every reason to be full of anxiety. He's locked up in jail. I mean, he's facing execution. He's dealing with all kinds of problems. And he had every reason, he had every reason and every right to be worried and full of anxiety. But you know what we find here about the Apostle Paul? And that is that he wasn't really, he wasn't worried at all. The theme, remember when we began, I don't remember that far back, when we began the book of Philippians, the theme of this book of Philippians was joy. That's the theme of the whole book is joy and rejoicing. And I think it was some 17 or 19 times, if my memory serves me correct, that Paul mentions joy and rejoicing in the book of Philippians. But here he was, instead of worrying, he's still rejoicing and he's encouraging these believers to rejoice. And Paul gives them an admonition and he tells these saints, these believers, what does he tell them? He tells them not to be filled with worry. He tells them not to be filled with anxiety. He tells them to not worry about anything. Amen. And, uh, but, but, but to make their requests known to God. But he tells them here and admonishes them, and, and this is not the only place in the Bible that, that talks about worry and admonishes us not to worry. Jesus said the same thing in the, in the Gospel of Matthew in the 6th chapter of Matthew. But, but Paul is telling them not to worry. And not only is he admonishing them not to worry, but he is also, he also gives them a secret and the secret to overcoming worry and anxiety in their life. There's people today that are spending buku bucks today to try to overcome anxiety. The um, big pharma, the prescription, the medical field is making a lot of money on antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications. And um, people that's in the world and not saved, I can see that. But you know what? For believers, for Christians, amen, that it should not be that way. Are you with me today? It should not be that way. Because we are not to be filled or overcome with worry, anxiety, dread, and fear. 
The Bible tells us that we can be free from that. And so Paul gives the secret here. I'm going to give it to you tonight, maybe next week, maybe just tonight, but I'm going to give it to you free of charge tonight. Amen. It won't cost you anything. And it's right here in the Word of God. How many knows the Bible not only tells us not to be filled with worry, but the Bible tells us how to be victorious over worry and overcome it, overcome worry and anxiety in our lives. Worry is something that we all experience. Everybody, if there was, if I were to ask for a show of hands tonight of how many of you here tonight have never worried about anything, uh, I don't, I, you know, I, I would not expect to see any hands. Of course, I asked one time if anybody had never been sick, and I got one. But anyway, uh, we, we, have all, we have all dealt with worry and experienced worry at one time or another in our life. And the Bible has a lot of things, a lot to say about, about worry. But there's one thing that we do know for sure that God does not want his people to fret or worry or have anxiety about anything. And if we're truly trusting in him, we're not going to allow ourselves, amen, because listen, you can't trust, you can't trust and worry at the same time. How many knows what I'm talking about? Praise God. Now the Greek word that's used here in verse number six, he says, be anxious for nothing. Be careful for nothing, I believe the King James says. And the New King James says, be anxious for nothing. And that word anxious means, it has several different meanings, but one of the meanings of that word is it means to be pulled in different directions. Uh, Webster's 1828 dictionary gives the definition of, of the word anxiety or anxious as being one of the definitions as being in painful suspense. And that painful suspense is you're, 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 you're worried because you're expecting the worst. You're expecting something terrible, something bad. And uh, so it means, and one of the meanings, as I said, means to be pulled in different directions. And that's what worry does because we have our hopes and we have our faith that's going in one direction, but then when worry and doubts and fears and dread and that type of thing comes into our life, it pulls us in the opposite direction and we just begin to be pulled in separate directions. The, uh, the root word, the old English root word, and this was in Webster's dictionary as well, but the old English word for worry means to strangle. One of the old English words was to strangle, to strangle. Well, that's exactly what worry does to people. It chokes the life out of you. It chokes your faith out of you. Amen? It chokes your victory out of you. You can't experience and won't experience the victory that God has has planned for you or the abundant life that the Lord has for you as long as worry is there. You know, Jesus talked in that parable of, of the sower about the seed being the word of God and the seed, some of the seed fell among thorns and the thorns came up and choked the word out. And when he, t- when he gave the 
the meaning of that parable to his disciples, he said that those thorns were the cares and the pleasures of life. And those, that word cares is the same Greek word as worry, anxiety. So Jesus was saying that the cares, the anxiety, the worries, the stress of life, if we allow it, will strangle and choke the Word of God out of our very life. Amen. It will choke faith out of our life. See, worry tonight, saints of God, is worry is wrong thinking about our circumstances. When you're facing situations, in life and problems in life and you, you, have, you have a wrong concept or a wrong thinking concerning those trials or those difficulties, it will cause worry in your life. Worry is meditation on the negative aspects of life where faith and victory comes from meditation on the promises of Almighty God. That's the thing we're meditating many times, dwelling and brooding and pondering the wrong things that cause worry and anxiety to fill our hearts and minds in life. And worry, as we know, I think we could all say that we've experienced that fact that worry is the greatest thief of joy and victory in the life of a believer. And not only all those things, that's bad enough, but did you know that worry and stress and anxiety also has physical consequences as well. It, it adversely will affect your physical body adversely. That's one of the main reasons too that the Lord speaks against it in the Word of God. Uh, I just did a little bit, just run a few references and run a, a few websites this, this uh, week, the other day, uh, looking at the physical consequences that worry causes. And I found out that worry, listen to me now, how many is listening? Worry causes tension, it causes headaches, neck pain, ulcer breathing problems, digestive issues, it affects our thinking, it causes depression, irritability, panic attacks, uh, high blood pressure. There's a, there's a plethora of different physical problems that are caused simply by because of worry and anxiety. Don't you believe? Oh, how much healthier and better off we'd be if we could just overcome the worries of this world and the cares of this life. Hallelujah. And live a life that is free from worry and care. I'm not giving you some pipe dream tonight or giving you something tonight that's impossible. I'm I'm telling you something that is in grasp, that is in grasp of every born again child of God because the Bible tells us very plainly that we can be free from fear and worry and anxiety. That is the promise of God. Come on, amen. Hallelujah, that is the promise of God. Well, it's not enough tonight just to tell yourself, well, I'm just not going to worry no more then. I'm just done with it. Amen? It's not good enough just to tell yourself that. It's not good enough just to tell. How many ever told somebody else, oh, don't worry about it? Huh? How many had somebody to tell you, oh, don't worry about it? 
Well, it's a little deeper than that. Amen. <laughs> I, I know if you've had somebody tell you that, you've wanted to say, well, you forget about it. You leave me alone. Let me do my own worrying. Praise God. It's like one lady said, why pray when I can worry? Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, 92%. Uh, the statistics say 92% of the things that we worry about never happen. One lady thought that was because worry worked. She said, she said well, worry does work because most of the things I worry about never happen. Amen. And that's, a, that's the thing. We're worrying for nothing. Somebody said worry, what worry is, is interest paid on troubles borrowed. You're, you're, you're reaching into the future, borrowing trouble from the future and, and, and paying interest on that. And God doesn't want his people to be overcome with worry. Amen. See, worry is an inside job and it takes more than just good intentions to get, to get rid of worry. Worry, the antidote for worry, the cure for worry is, is, is first of all, it's having a secure mind. It's having the peace of God in your mind. Look at, look at verse 7. You're still there in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 7. It says here, and the peace of God. Well, let's read verse 6. Let's just go to verse 6 again. We're not in any hurry. I, I, I doesn't see this is not going to be a, one night, a one-nighter. Amen. Um, verse 6, he says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See the antidote. Notice he said, that, that, that it's the peace of God. Here is the, here is the security of the mind. It's the peace of God guarding, guarding the heart and what else? The mind. The heart, the inner man, and the mind. The spirit and the soul connected together. And it's the peace of God guarding the heart and the mind so that worry can't get in. That word to guard, that's talking about a garrison. I think some translations use that word to garrison about your heart and to garrison about your mind. It's like a guard that's guarding a prison cell, a prisoner in a cell that nobody can get in. And the peace of God, when it guards our mind and guards our hearts, it will prevent worry from getting in. So how then do we acquire this peace? This peace that the Bible's talking about here. This peace that passes understanding. And I said as I was reading through that, it's the peace of God that you can't understand. You don't understand. Uh, everything you know, can be turned upside down and everything can be going wrong. But if you've got that peace guarding your heart and that peace guarding your mind, praise God, you don't understand it. It's kind of like, like Jesus was on that boat when the storm was raging on the, on the boat, you know, and he was, the, the disciples were gone crazy, weren't they? Amen. Oh, we're going to drown. We're going to die. Jesus, don't you care nothing about us? Jesus, Jesus, you're going to just leave us out here to, to flounder and to drown. And Jesus already told them they was going to the other side, but they didn't, they didn't have faith to believe it. Where's Jesus at? He's on, he's at the, in the, in the, in the back of 
of the boat on a pillow. He's sound asleep. He not, he's not worried about the storm. The storm has no effect on him at all. That's a peace that you don't understand how you can go through storms of life and have that tranquility and that peace that everything is going to be all right. I want that peace. How many wants that peace? We need that peace in our hearts tonight. Amen. Praise God. I'm about, whoo, about to get excited here. I hate to do that. On Wednesday night, it's Bible study, isn't it? Get excited. <laughs> so here Paul gives some conditions and lays down some things here in this fourth chapter about um, conquering worry and overcoming worry. And the first thing that he mentions here is, is right praying. There's, there's three different things he mentions, and we probably won't get to them all tonight because I've got three points but several sub-points under each one. <laughs> it's those sub-points that get me in, <laughs> get me in trouble. But, uh, but, but there were three main things that he mentions in this text that are conditions to conquer worry, and it's right praying, right thinking, and right living. I'm going to give you those again. Right praying, right thinking, and right living. Amen. But I want to deal right now with right praying because he says in verse 6, in verse 6, look at verse 6 again, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God I want to read that to you from the amplified translation Here's what it says in the amplified he says do not fret or have any anxiety about anything but in every circumstance how many circumstances in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, definite requests with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. Let's listen to it from the New Living Translation. Listen to it, verse 6 from the NLT. Don't worry about anything. Oh, hallelujah. Well, we can stop right there and just have a praise break. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And then, then finally, let me read it to you from the, from the Message Bible. It says this, Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, and now here's the thing, we do something instead of worrying. Instead of worrying, pray. 
Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Praise God. I've made this statement before, you know, and when, when I heard it one time, I heard a preacher say this uh, one time, and it really helped me and blessed me, but, uh, and I've made this statement. Take your, and, and that's what this verse is saying. Take your worry list, and turn your worry list into your prayer list. Hallelujah. Turn the th- take the things that you're worrying about and turn them into prayers. And that's what Paul is saying here. This is one, this is one of the keys of overcoming worry. Amen. Is to turn those worries into prayer. And instead of worrying... Pray about everything. He uses three different words here to describe right praying. And he uses the word prayer in verse 6. He uses the word supplication. And he uses the word thanksgiving. Three different, three different words that he uses. Prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. What does he mean by that? It isn't just all prayer, prayer. Is not just praying just, you know, just all the same? No, there's different kinds of prayer the Bible talks about. And so when Paul uses that word prayer, it's a general term for prayer, but the main meaning of that word prayer that he uses there means devotion, it means worship, and it means adoration. It's coming before the Lord with your praise and with your worship and adoring Him for who He is because He is God. See, when you're worrying, when you're worrying, what Paul is saying here is get alone with God and begin to worship God. Begin to praise God for who He is. Begin to to magnify Him because He is Lord of lords and King of kings and the Alpha and the Omega. Praise God. I'm going to tell you what. When you're depressed or discouraged or worrying or fearful or fretful, if you'll just take some time to get into the presence of God and begin to magnify God and glorify the Lord, I'm going to tell you what. That old stuff will have to leave. What does the Bible say in Isaiah 61 that we are to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness? Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, when you get in the presence of the, of the Lord and you begin to praise Him and you begin to adore Him and you begin to worship Him, you're putting on the garment of praise and I'm telling you that old spirit of heaviness and gloom and despair and agony on me has to find a back door and get out of there somehow, some way, because the devil can't stand all that worship and that praise. Amen. That's a vitally important part of prayer is when we worship the Lord. Jesus taught in that model prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer. Jesus taught there that the beginning of prayer was how do we approach God? He said, our Father which art in heaven, what was the first thing? Hallowed be thy name. And so Jesus himself taught us to go into prayer in adoration and worship and praise and magnifying Almighty God. I tell you what, when you magnify God, what does magnify mean? Anybody ever use a magnifying glass? Amen. Magnify, yeah, the older I get, I need them sometimes. Amen. (laughs) 
To magnify is to, to make something bigger. Well, you're not going to make God any bigger. He's the biggest. He's the best. He's the greatest. But when you begin to magnify Him, He'll become bigger in your mind, in your heart, and in your life. And you'll see how great and awesome He is. Begin to worship Him and praise Him. Lord, you're the Almighty God. There's no other God but you. You're the creator of the heavens and the earth. You're the Lord of all. You're the healer. You're the deliverer. You're my Savior. You're the coming King. There's no God like our God. There's no God like Jehovah God. Come on, somebody. And when you worship and adore and praise, hallelujah, worry is going to find its way out of your life. And the peace of God will will surround your heart and your mind. Woo, hallelujah. Amen. So he uses that word prayer, and that's what he means by prayer, worshiping the greatness of God. So there's prayer. Secondly, there's supplication. Supplication is making your needs and requests known. After you have praised him and worshiped him and adored him. Tell him what you need. Tell him what's on your heart. God wants to know what's bugging you. Well, I thought he knew. He does know, but he wants you to talk to him about it. He wants you to tell him about it. Amen? We sang that Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. Hallelujah. Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. Call him up, call him up, tell him what you want. Amen? And uh, so he wants you to tell him. That's supplication. As I read to you there in the Amplified, the Amplified said, uh, said it's definite requests. It's prayer and petition making definite requests. And so that's what supplication is. It's not a half-hearted prayer, but it's earnestly sharing our needs and our problems with the Lord and telling Him what we need. It's not just half-heartedly coming to the Lord. You know, it's, you know when we were little kids and we taught our little kids to pray, now I lay me down to sleep, and there's some... Uh, Christians have been saved for years and they're still praying little lay me down to sleep prayers. No, it's time that we get sincere and earnest with the Lord and tell Jesus what we're facing and what we have need of. So we worship Him and we praise Him. Then we, we, we bring our wants, our needs, our desires, our requests before the Lord and tell Him about it. Amen? Amen? Let those requests be made known. And then the third thing about prayer was he, he was, was appreciation or giving thanks. So prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. How many knows tonight that God, your heavenly Father, He loves you, He loves to do good things for you, He loves to answer your prayers, He loves to bless your life, but how many of y'all know He wants to hear and he loves to hear you say, Father, thank you. Thank you. Don't ever be unthankful. But, 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 but make thanksgiving a major part of your prayer time and your prayer life. Giving thanks to him for all he's done. 
One of the translations we read said, not forgetting to thank him for all he's done for us. I'm going to tell you, you know what? I've heard people say, well, Brother Rick, I don't know. I I can't ever think of anything to say when I'm praying. I'll tell you what, if you'll just go in there and adore him and worship him. Because, you know, a lot of people think that all prayer is, is going to God with our grocery list. Huh? You know, my name is Jimmy, I'll take all you'll give me. You know, I mean, just going in (laughs) We're going in there with our list. Nothing wrong with having a prayer list to remind you to pray for people and things. Nothing wrong with that. But we just don't go to to God with our with our with our want list and say, Okay, you know, God, I want this and this and this and this and this. Have a great day. See you later. Bye. And uh, no, when you, when you, when you, if you, if you worship him and then bring your petitions to him and then end it with thanking him for everything that he's done and everything that he's going to, it's the sandwich effect, you know, sandwich prayer. You make a prayer sandwich. How many has ever made a prayer sandwich? Nobody. We're making one here tonight. We're making, I'm teaching you how to make a prayer sandwich. You go in, the first piece of bread is worship and praise and adoration. Then you ask your requests and petitions and throw a little meat on there. And then your second piece of bread on top of that is you thank him for what he's done and you thank him for what he's going to do and for what he's doing. And that's the three aspects of prayer that Paul gave here in Philippians chapter 4. He said that if we would do that, glory to God, oh, hallelujah, He said that if we would do that, that what did he say? That's a cure for worry. Amen. Don't worry or be anxious, but instead pray about, help me here, everything. Some people don't never pray or ask for prayer or, or, or pray themselves unless it's some big crisis has arisen. You know, it's like, has it come to that? Are we going to have to pray? It's that bad. We're going to have to pray. No, man, look, pray about everything. Everything that concerns you concerns your heavenly Father. Everything that, you, that you're concerned about or fearful about or worried about or you need, God's concerned about that. And, and, and Jesus said, your heavenly Father knows what you have need of before you ask him. But he still said, go ahead and ask him because he, he's concerned. And he wants you to pray and he wants you to ask him because he wants you dependent upon him. Praise God. Prayerlessness, I've said this before, Prayerlessness in, in a person's life is a, is a good indicator of pride in that person's life because they think they can handle it, they can do it, and they don't need God's help. But boy, I'll tell you what, every day, every morning when I get out of that bed, I know where I got to be. I got to be in that prayer room. 
Amen. And sometimes I'll do my Bible reading and coffee drinking first to kind of get my eyes propped open. But uh, amen. But, but most of the time I'm in that prayer room because I know I can't face that day unless I've unburdened my soul, unless I've worshiped God, unless I've made my request known to him and gave him thanks for all that he's done and all that he's going to do. And he said, make, he said, pray about everything, everything. Amen. The big things, the little things, everything. Sister Reed gave the testimony in prayer meeting yesterday about praying for her car. Well, it was something that was worrying her. The oil pressure light was on. Her oil pressure was low or high or something low. And it were it was a worry. She didn't have the money to have it fixed or buy a new one. And she said she was concerned about it and thinking about it. And of course, you know how the devil jumps in there, you know, too. But she got up and she went out in the garage and laid hands on it, on the car. So now now now, now we're really getting, you know, amen. People are saying, are you people crazy? You pray for cars? You, you pray over cars? Jesus talked to a fig tree. Praise God. Amen. And, and she prayed for that car. The oil pressure light went off. Amen. And, and it's going, doing fine, isn't it? But, but the point of that is this. God's concerned about the big things and God's concerned about the little things. I told him yesterday also in prayer, you know, we had an electrical issue at the house and uh, I was very concerned about that. I thought, yeah, as I said, I, the first thing I thought was, bye-bye stimulus. <laughs> Amen. And... Uh, so I got the electrician out there, and, and uh, he came and looked at things, and, and I still have to have some work done, but I thought, man, this, is, you know, this may be bad. But he was there in just a few minutes. He had the problem solved, and we were back in business, and Vicki's stove was working again so she can cook again. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. But it was, it was something, but, you know, it was something that was concerning me, and in prayer the morning before he came. I talked to the Lord about it. I brought it, my petition, my request before the Lord, and God took care of it. He'll do that, saints. Amen? Amen? He'll do that. And the result of that, and I'm bringing this to a close, so the result of that is this. He said that if we will do that, if we will pray about everything, if we will make supplication, if we will, if we will worship Him, if we will give thanks to Him and make our request known to God, verse 7 said the result will be the peace of God. The peace of God that will come and, and guard your heart and your mind by Christ Jesus. Now this doesn't mean it's an absence of trouble. This doesn't necessarily mean the problem's going, uh, immediately going away, but this peace of God is a quiet confidence within that, that doesn't matter what the circumstances are, you still got peace knowing that everything's going to be all right. Let me close with this. Let me close with this. I think about Daniel, and I mentioned Jesus in the storm, but I think about, I think about Daniel when Daniel was, was being attacked by 
by some, some guys. You know, it was a political deal, okay? We won't get off on that. But it was a political deal, and God had given Daniel favor in the eyes of King Darius, and he made him the chief president over all the other governors and presidents. And the people were jealous of him. And the reason he was made that was because he was faithful to God and he served the Lord and God promoted him. And those that were under him wanted to get rid of him. And you know what happened. They, they went to the king and convinced the king to pass a law that nobody could pray or ask a petition of any other God or any other man except King Darius for 30 days, was it? And if they did and were found guilty, they'd be thrown into the, to the den of lions. And so it sounded good to the king and he made the law and he sealed it with his signet and, and it could couldn't be changed, and uh, he, it, was, it was put into law. And I love what the Bible says. It says that when Daniel knew, in Daniel 6.10, that when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he knew that it was against the law to pray. He knew that they had passed the law that he could not pray. But what did he do? Did he say, well, we've got to obey the laws of the land. We can't pray anymore for 30 days. No, he didn't. We got those people today saying, well, you know, never mind. But, but, but he knew the law was passed and he went up and he went up into his, his, his chamber just like he did every day, three times a day. And he threw the windows open, opened the windows toward Jerusalem. And Daniel got down on his knees three times a day as he did every day. And he prayed and gave thanks to God. And if you'll read Daniel 6, 10, and 11, he prayed, he gave thanks and he made supplication to God. The very three things that Paul talked about here. And he got arrested. Huh? He, he, he's broke the law. He got arrested. So he's got to suffer the consequences. They're not going to exempt him from that, even though he's the king's favorite. And the king's going to have to throw him into the lion's den. And he puts him in the lion's den. But the king Darius said to him before he put him in there, he said, Daniel, I know this much. I know. This, this pagan king had more faith than most Pentecostals. He said, to, he said to Daniel, he said, I know the God who you serve continually. He will deliver you from these, from these lions, from the lion's mouth. He's able to deliver you. He threw him in the lion's den, rolled the stone over there. King Darius was anxious and worried all night. He didn't sleep all night. He was awake all night. He was fasting all night. But you know what Daniel was doing that night? Because he had prayed, because he had thanked God, because he had worshipped God. You know what Daniel was doing? He was in a lion's den surrounded by hungry lions. And I just imagine, this doesn't say this in the Bible, but I just use my imagination and think he they was just purring like kittens. Amen. Those lions were, those hungry lions were. And Daniel just went over there and took the mane of one of them and fluffed it up like a my pillow, praise God, and just put his head down there. And he went to sleep and slept like a baby all night long in the midst of a lion's den. He wasn't worried. He wasn't afraid. He wasn't anxious. There wasn't nothing bothering him because God was there and gave him peace. 
because he took time to pray and he knew how to pray and take the thing to the Lord in prayer. And God delivered him from the den of lions. When old Darius went to the, to, to the cave that morning, worship team, come on back. We'll sing a song here. When, when he went... When Darius went, he had that stone rolled away and he said, cried out in a lamentable voice, it said. He said, Daniel, are you okay? Was your God able to deliver you? And all of a sudden he heard Daniel. Oh, good morning, king. Yeah, I'm doing fine because God has sent his angel and shut the mouth of the lion and give the lion's lockjaw and I'm doing just fine. They couldn't hurt me. Hallelujah. Oh, that's the kind of peace you need. That's the kind of peace I need. That's what God will do for us if we'll just learn how to pray right and take everything to the Lord in prayer. Remember that old song said, what a friend we have in Jesus. Remember that old song? And it says, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Why? All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Let's stand tonight and let's sing and worship the Lord. I don't know if I've helped anybody else, but I preach myself happy tonight. Amen. I I feel good in my